0: Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Uh, every week, I get an, the number of people who attended. Our staff look at the number of people who attended a church, and I'm always blown away because I can't see them. You big people get in the way. But one-third to one-quarter of the people here every Sunday are under 18. They're kids. And... Uh, some of them actually, this is pretty encouraging. Boy, I keep making announcements, I'm never gonna get done. But this is so encouraging. Timmy and Lindsay Marcy have been heading up a drive to get our kids to crossing camp. They had a spaghetti dinner this Friday night, over 100 people in attendance, all the servers were under four feet tall, and, and they raised over $1,600 to send those kids to camp. That's glorious. Um, and uh, in light of the fact there's a lot of kids here, and a lot of, in light of the fact that they can get a lot done for the kingdom, I'm preaching an entire sermon to them this morning. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Kids, this is for you. Adults, you can come along for the ride. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline an instruction of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, would you please pour out your strong spirit on my weakness, and really on the weakness of my tongue, my mind, and my heart, and on the weakness of my dear brothers and sisters and their ears and their hearts. And we pray that you would speak to us, that you might even revive us again. Lord, you think about the 1850s when you granted a children's revival in Ireland, or maybe even today you'd do that again. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So children, I already mentioned this, but this sermon is for you. The first words we read from the Bible this morning say, children, and uh, so it's children I wanna speak to you. So if you're a toddler or a teen, if you're in preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, I want you to know that God is speaking specifically to you this morning, specifically in this portion of his word. This passage is talking to children who are still being brought up, brought up. In verse four, uh, Paul tells fathers how to bring them up, and he's talking about children. He's talking about children who are still coming up. Adults are up, and children are still coming up, and Paul is speaking to those children who are in their homes coming up before him. So if you're a very young child, who's got lots of bringing up ahead of them, or you're a very old child who's just about done being brought up, I wanna ask for your special attention. So fire up your brains, pull up your Bibles. I heard about one toddler this morning who has begun the years-long process of scribbling pretend notes while I preach. Let's have it going on tonight, this morning. If that helps you. And I wanna speak to you kids this morning. Now before I speak to the children, I got everybody ready. You can just tune out for a second now maybe prepare, get your pencils in place, whatever you need to do, I want to say a word to your parents and to the rest of the congregation, and then I'll come back to the children. So let me say a word first to the parents who are still bringing up children. I was blown away this week studying this passage, something I'd never seen before as I was looking at Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, which I'm sure I've looked at and preached at many, many times. And what I noticed was just an incredibly good example of parenting these three verses are. Like this is Paul kind of showing us how it's done. And you might say, well, wait, isn't verse 4 for parents? It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Yes, yes, it is how to parent. 6-4 is for the parents. But actually, 6-4 is primarily negative. It is. Don't make them angry. And discipline and instruct them. And both those words in the Greek are actually fairly negative words. They, they include things like spankings and corrections and admonitions. The positive parenting, the sort of positive vision of parenting, really comes in verses one through three. And so I'm just going to, I just want to sensitize you to what you should notice in verses one through three, so that as I'm talking to your kids, you can sort of know what I'm doing. Notice just this, and again, I'm just just flying through this, just kind of sensitizing you to what's there in Ephesians chapter six, one through three. Notice he speaks to them personally. Children, they're not non-people. They're being spoken to as people, children. Notice he speaks to their actions. He calls them to obey. He speaks to their consciences, for this is right. He speaks to them as needy sinners, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, Notice he speaks to them, their hearts, calling them to honor God, not just to do what their parents say, but to actually have a heart of honor. He speaks to them as accountable creatures when he reminds them of the commandment of God. He speaks to them as people with hopes and dreams for the future, which we all have when he he promises them that it may go well with you and that you may live long and long. He's speaking to them as people who have their whole life ahead of them and and just they're normal people. They're looking out on the future. And so he's he's listening. it's just amazing speaking to them personally, speaking to their actions, speaking to their consciences, speaking to their hearts, speaking to their visions for the future. He's not speaking to them as distractions. He's not speaking to them as people in the way. He's got a very sacred and developed view of who it is he's talking to. And I just have to wonder what would happen to our parenting, and if every interaction we kept a sacred awareness that the little person in front of us is just like us with decisions to make about their actions. A conscience that rings in their soul, a Lord they desperately need, a heart that needs to be formed, a future they look forward to with hope and anxiety, a future that God wants to guide them in all the way to heaven. So as I help the children, notice how God's to speak to them in his word. You take note, and I've been taking note, about how we ought to speak to them the way God does in his word. Now, one word before I get back to the children, I haven't forgotten you children, I'm coming back, but one other word to singles and married people without children, to older members, to like people who are like 21, going, whoa, I guess I'm not a child anymore, I'm an adult. To all those people, whether you don't have kids, or you're done raising your kids, I want to just say there's something in these verses for you. There's something in these verses for you. Why do I say that? Well notice, these verses weren't read in Sunday school. They were written to the whole Ephesian church. The whole Ephesian church was listening. There was Paul. No, he wasn't there. There was Paul. He'd written a letter, and there was this pastor, we presume, reading the letter of Paul. And so what's being said to the children is being said with everybody else listening in. What's going on there? Well, you're establishing community standards, aren't you? You're kind of establishing the way the community works. I love the fact that the pastoral epistles, the ones written for pastors, are given to everybody. It's so not like being a pastor some secret clique that only pastors can understand. No, everybody's got the book right in front of them. You're supposed to be doing this. And similarly with children, every child is called to obey their parents. Every child is called to honor. And it's not just parents that are supposed to tell them that. It's everyone in the body that's meant to reinforce that. Listen, there is such a thing as a meddling church member who wants to parent everybody's kid. That exists. It would be wonderful if you changed. I was gonna say cease to exist, but changed would be much better. But having said that, I can just say that as far as being a parent goes at Emmanuel, I have been just overwhelmed with thankfulness for all the Sunday school teachers, and adults take my kids out, for people in their early 20s who disciple my children, Uh, for friends who just know my kids and can speak a word into their lives, that's an amazing blessing. And children shouldn't only be hearing what God expects of them from their parents. Remember, Ephesians chapter 4 says that the word comes to the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So as you're hearing what God says to children, you're being given the word that you would want to speak to children as you have influence in a child's life. And then I got one more thing to say about raising your kids in church, and then I'm coming back, children. I'm coming back. It's just like life. You're waiting on an adult one more time. Just a word about raising your kids in church and then I'm going to get back to your children. I just want to share a bit of a personal testimony with you to encourage you to embrace the glorious but hard work of raising your kids in church. We have had the privilege of raising all four of our kids here at Emanuel, two are now adults, Two will be adults, Lord willing, very quickly. And in that time, we have seen years, now listen to all these things, where some of our kids have no friends, zero. And at the same time that some of them have no friends, some other kids have lots of friends. It's a great dynamic. We've seen our kids, um, have. we've seen good friends move away. We've seen kids sin against our friends' kids. We've seen our friends' kids sin against our kids. There have been tears. There have been lots of tears. There's been anger. There's been forgiveness. There's been a lot of fun. We've seen our kids reach out to others sacrificially. We've seen our kids fail to reach out to others sacrificially. We've seen our kids get really close to other kids, and then those relationships go cold, and then sometimes they warm back up, and sometimes they don't. We've seen kids lie, and we've seen our kids be lied to. We've seen them be offensive, and we've seen them get insulted. We've seen them be betrayed. And I need to be honest, never once did any of this difficulty make me want to pull them back from church life. No, learning how to love and forgive and repent and set up boundaries with those who are hurtful and earn someone's trust back when you've hurt them That's all part of life. You know, there's all this talk about fragile kids in our day. Kids who can't handle any kind of trigger without falling apart. Well, the antidote to fragile kids is parents who keep kids in hard situations and don't act like the world just fell apart, but keep them in these difficult situations and say, yeah, that person was a total meanie and are also willing to say, and you've been a meanie too. Because the, the doctrine of total depravity is applied equally to all of our children. Your kids are bad, and my kids are bad. And if they're saved, then they're becoming good out of having been very bad. And so there's a sense in which the way you make strong kids is not by removing them from every difficult community situation but by leaving, it in, leaving them in it and leading them and guiding them and strengthening them to do what you have to do in church life, which is to love sinners as a saved sinner yourself. And that makes for much stronger fabric in a church's life together. Okay, children, I'm back. I just needed to talk to your parents and uh, to everyone else, but I need to uh, speak to you This morning, the more children's eyeballs I get, the happier I get. It just feeds me and I get encouraged. And uh, I want to point out to you, as quickly as I can, uh, seven things about what God wants to speak to you. Seven things about how God wants to speak to you. The first thing I want to point out is this. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to children. Children, it's it's amazing. Don't let it not blow you away. Here's Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, I have a word for the little ones. I got a word for those who are under their parents' authority. I have something to say to the children. And he says, children, personally addressing them. Have you ever been lost? I, like most parents, have on occasion lost some of my children. Now, I would feel worse about this, but even Jesus was lost by his parents. So I, just a little solace there. And most of my friends have also lost their children. It's a pretty serious business, really. But when you're the child, it's pretty traumatic. There you were at the zoo, at the park. It all seemed like such a good idea. And then you're wailing going, where is the responsible adult for my existence? And then you hear their voice. Luke, Jordana, and the tears melt away. And there's this massive embrace. The creator of the universe wants to speak to you so that you don't walk through life lost. There's way worse things than being lost in a zoo. You can be lost in this world. Older children, you know that being lost in a zoo is no big deal. Next to the teen years, swirling around with the opinions of this world, the influencers Instagram, the ideas other kids have at school, the feelings of doubt in your own heart, The changes in your body, the pressures from that guy, what it would take to impress that girl, the fear of the future, the frustration of your family, the struggles of your own sin, all these can make you feel lost. But never forget this, God wants to speak to you. The living God wants to lead you all the way through this life. He wants to be your leader. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be the star you follow. He wants to be the anchor for your life. You don't have to walk through life feeling lost. You can walk through life hearing and following the voice of God. So don't miss the fact that he speaks to you directly. Second point, God speaks directly to your actions He cares what you do. God cares what you do. And I actually thought of another category. You might not be a child anymore, but you may be at that point in your life where you still owe your parents a few apologies. And maybe this thought would spur on some of those conversations. Say that to the older kids. But children, God speaks directly to your actions. What does he say? Children, obey your parents. To obey someone is to do what they say. To obey means to act on what they tell you. To obey your parents means that what they desire becomes what you do. We are called to obey our parents right here by the voice of God. That means when your parents tell you to do something, God Himself wants you to do that. That means that if your parents tell you to clean your room or turn off the TV at a certain time or not text that guy, you are bound by the living God to do it. To disobey them is to disobey God. You need to carve that into your conscience. Disobeying parents is disobeying God. You might say, my parents are not like God. Nobody's are. Nobody's are. Some of you will say, my parents aren't even Christians. I understand. But the perfect God loves to lead us through imperfect people. And we're always better submitting to that imperfect leadership than going off in search of perfection. He leads wives through imperfect husbands. He loves to share his uh, leadership with imperfect pastors who care for congregations. He loves to share his leadership even with imperfect parents. And he's given the leadership of your actions to your parents. And when you're very young, they will tell you nearly everything to do. If it feels like they're really intense, and this is probably a bad word for kids, but micromanaging, like if they're just in everything, That's normal. They need to tell you when to, they need to tell you how to hold your fork, how to wash a dish, how to make a bed, how to say yes, sir, how to say yes, ma'am. When you're older, you will get more and more freedom, but when they speak, you must still obey. If they say, stay away from that girl, or that crowd, or that show, or that app, then you should carefully consistently, and gladly do exactly what they say. God is leading you in this way. It's it's not just your parents. Your parents are being used as part of God's leadership in your life. Never forget that God speaks to you about your actions and they are to be submitted, obediently submitted, to what your parents desire. Unless your parents call you to sin, you are called to follow what your parents call. And how many adults here would have this testimony? I nearly ruined my life ignoring what my parents told me. Second, no, third, whoa, we're moving. You thought when I had that seven points, you thought, oh yeah, right. (laughs) God wants to speak to you about your conscience. He wants to speak to you about your conscience. Children, every one of you, whether you're 17 or seven, has a conscience. Notice the Bible says children obey the Lord, for this is right. God has placed in you an awareness of right and wrong. When a four-year-old tells a lie for for the first time, they know they have to hide it. Who taught them that? Nobody. Their conscience is aware of what's right and wrong, and their conscience is aware that you should hide what's wrong. It is right for parents to lead children for children to follow their parents. We know that deep down. We know that in our consciences. Our consciences, again, are the part of us that no one can see, but we always hear. Our consciences are part of our mind and our heart that remind us what is right and what is wrong. And we have to understand this. When Paul says, it is right, obey your parents for it is right, that's not a uniquely Christian idea. Christians are not the only people who think children should obey their parents. They might be almost the only people in this culture, but in the history of mankind, that's not unique. Go anywhere in Asia. Go to Korea, Japan, China. Especially where Confucianism has had such an influence over China, you'll find an extreme emphasis on obedience to parents. Greek and Roman philosophers. I know some of you kids are smarter than me by seven. You're reading those Greek and Roman philosophers. What did they teach? They taught that children should obey their parents. I mean, think about the way God set up the world. He set up the world so that you're immediately surrounded by two people who are way taller than you with way more experience at everything than you. And it's just throwing reality out the window not to recognize that those are the people you should listen to. I always blew my mind and occasionally I might have got a little sarcastic with my kids. I'm like, okay, you're four, so you know everything now. And apparently the 30 some years of experience I've had being on this planet count for nothing. I don't think that's really gonna be smart for you. Obeying your parents is natural. It goes along with nature. Have you ever tried to go up a down escalator? It's like there's a desire in every child to run up a down escalator. It does not go well. My brother's looking at me like, I could do it pretty well, but (laughs) fine. But for the sake of illustration, it doesn't go well. Or going down the up escalator. You're way better going up the escalator and down the down escalator. Going with the flow of the way God made the world. It's right to obey your parents and as we'll see, it will bless you. Unless your parents call you to disobey Jesus, it's important that you listen to your conscience. And now listen to me for a second, kids. We are literally living in a world where your teachers In many schools will tell you not to listen to your parents. Not all doctors, but some doctors will tell you not to listen to your parents. The culture and the pop culture around us will tell you that you ought not to listen to your parents. Influencers on Instagram will tell you to listen to your own desires, to whatever is churning up from within you. And it's vital that you center yourself on the conscience God gave you and that you let that conscience be shaped by God's word and that you listen to what is right and not to any idea that's being given that would shield you from the authority and the wisdom of your parents. Fourth, God wants to speak to you about the Lord. I love this. Notice this. Don't don't, don't skip over this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. What does this mean? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's a reminder that without the Lord, you will never obey your parents. Without the Lord, you will never obey your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, and what it is, it's a reminder that when we're, in, when we're born, we're out of the Lord, if you will. We're out of the Lord, we're, we're at a distance from God, we're separated from God. We have a desire to do whatever we want, whenever we want. And I, there's two kinds of kids in the world, right? They're the kind of kid who does whatever they want by pleasing their parents all the time, and then doing what they want when their parents aren't looking. And then there is another kind of kid that just gives you the whatever parent, whatever mom, whatever dad, just gets in your face with straight rebellion. So you got the covert rebellion going on, and you got the straight-up rebellion going on. But neither of those are actual obedience. And no one comes to actual obedience without the Lord. So there's no idea here about just being a good kid. And parents, we need to make sure we're telling our kids this. We know they can't be good on their own. And so we're telling them. This is, this is what spankings often looked like in the Fullerton home. Somewhere before, during, or after, there was the reason you're doing this is because you've got a bad heart. The reason you're doing this is because you're a sinner. The reason you're disobeying me is because you've got a heart bent on disobedience. And you're going to suffer eternal consequences if you can continue in this disobedience. You say, you're going to shatter their self-esteem. I hope so. I don't want them living off self-esteem. I want them to get to the next part of the message, which is this. And even though you're so sinful and rebellious against even the people who love you, God sent his son born of a woman and he obeyed where you never could and he died on the cross to pay the full penalty for your sins and you can believe him and trust him and he'll save you and you can have Christ esteem for eternity, you can, you can think Jesus is amazing. And when you trust in Christ, not perfectly. A kid's growth is often slow. Some kids have miraculous conversions and they're just little angels the next day. But most of them get saved and it just starts to move a little, little slower. But what you see is when a person's in the Lord, they begin to grow in grace. They begin to grow in obedience. Not by their own power, but by what God is doing in their heart. God wants to speak to you about the Lord. The fifth thing I'll say to you is that God wants to speak to you about your heart. God wants to speak to you about your heart. You can do what your parents say without your heart being in it. But you can't honor them without your heart being in it. Honor comes from the heart. Honor is a way you you look up to and you respect. We could even use the word reverence. The way you sort of are aware of the special place God has given to your parents in your life. And you honor that. Kent Hughes uh, tells the story of a student uh, who was asked by his teacher to sit in a corner And he did it, but in his heart he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Many of you have stood on the inside. Right, fine, I'll do it. If I had a dollar for every fine, I'll obey you. Oh, that's some sour obedience. What we're looking for, and we used to say this when our kids were very young, is obedience that's all the way and right away and from a happy heart. That's the kind of honor we want to show to our parents. You know, there's this time in the book of the Kings in the Old Testament where Solomon sees his mom and it says he stood to meet her. And then he bowed down to her. And then he sat down on his throne because he was the king, but he got a chair so she could sit down too. There was just honor in the whole interaction between Solomon and his mom. In the American South, children are taught to respond to their parents with, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Now, whatever ways your parents teach you to honor them, you should do it. I was uh, just up in northern Alberta uh, with my sister and my my half-sister and my brother-in-law and they're teaching uh, two little children, uh, three and one and a half, and I was so encouraged. Every time an adult spoke to them, they would say to the kid, now look him in the eye. Parents, it's a big deal to teach your kids to honor other adults. Every time these kids, did something wrong. And with a three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old, three, three year one that's like all the time. When they were saying sorry, and they didn't make a big deal, but it wasn't like a crackdown on you Pharisee house. But when all those little interactions would happen, they would just say, now look him in the eyes, or look mommy in the eyes, or look daddy in the eyes, and say, I'm sorry. What are they doing? They're teaching honor from the heart. There's so many kids in our day, even in the church, who can't look an adult in their eyes to save their lives. And it's because they're not being taught at home to honor their parents. And then parents need to extend that out to to, to learning to treat all people like that, with honor. You're a person. You have dignity. God treats me with honor, speaking to me in his word. Now I treat you with honor. And the most special honor of all is to our parents, That's where we add that respect and that encouragement. Sixth, God wants to speak to you about both your parents. He wants to speak to you about both your parents. Do you see that in the passage? Children obey your parents. Now I know some kids only get one parent and some only get one Christian parent. But normally where there's two parents, it says children obey your parents. Both of them. And then notice this. It says, honor your father and your mother. Now, let's, let's be careful there. What, is a, what are parents in the Bible? It's one father and one mother. Two mothers does not make parents. Two fathers does not make parents. Parents in the scriptures is a father and a mother. Now, what's interesting here is what I have found over the years is that children are worse when dad's not around. That is when dad is at work or out of the home or out of town, children give mom a workover. They often will ride mom, disrespect mom, not care for mom with the honor that she is due, and then what happens is dad re-enters the scene and it's like a weight enters the building, a gravitas. And I just want to say to the kids, you are responsible to honor both your mom and your dad all the time. There's not supposed to be a special preference for dad over mom, but both mom and dad are to be honored by their kids. In our family, just a parenting tip, dishonoring mom when dad was not there was a disciplinable offense. It was was my way of communicating to the kids the importance of their mom's word. It wasn't just sort of like, oh, honey, you got problems? You should do a little better with those kids. What's what's your problem? Which just sends the kids all the wrong messages. If we're bad while dad's gone, dad will blame mom. No, if dad's gone and you're disrespecting mom, then it's my job to make sure you're honoring mom. Sixth, God wants to speak to you about his word. He wants to speak to you about his word. Do you see that? He says honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So this whole idea of honoring your father and mother, it comes from God's word. It comes from God's commandments. It comes from the 10 commandments. He's directing you to his word. He wants kids to think about the Bible. He wants kids to think about the 10 commandments. He wants kids to think about what God wrote in his word. So he says quote from the Bible, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now think about this. If you're a child, you should start right now to know God's word. Don't wait till you're older. Read it, listen to it when you read it. When you read the gospels, you'll notice something about Jesus. He's always quoting the Bible. You know what it means that Jesus is always quoting the Bible? It means that when he was a kid, he was always reading the Bible. It means he was listening when his parents read it to him. He was listening when the rabbi read it to him. He was always listening to the Bible. So that when he came out into adulthood, he was like a tree that had been beside the waters of the word. And now in adulthood, the word was coming out. I got, let me just tell you this, kids. You got to hear me on this one. When you get older, it will become a lot harder to remember anything in the Bible. Okay? Okay. Like, when you get to be my age, you read it, and you think, did I read it? What did I read? Did it help me? I don't even remember if it helped me. Where am I? (laughs) Okay, but an eight-year-old reads Romans, and they're like, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace to God through our Lord Jesus Christ through. This is glorious. These are the sponge years. Make use of them. This brain is full of 80s hits. What a waste. But yours can be full of the Bible. You know, kids, listen to me. If you read one chapter of the Bible a day, starting at six, you'll read the Bible four times before you graduate from high school. If you start actually paying attention to sermons when you're five years old, like really listening, like I'm going to bed early, what did he say? This is for me. This isn't just dad's thing. This isn't just mom's thing. This is for me. If you do that, you'll hear 780 sermons before you graduate from high school. Oh, I'd have a different life if I'd heard 780 sermons before high school. You can be transformed, shaped, shaped, before you hit the hard roads of adulthood, by the word of God. Last point. God wants to speak to you about your future. He wants to speak to you about your future. Do you see that there? Honor your father and mother. That's the first commandment with a promise. A promise is something God's gonna do in the future. What's the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Obedience to parents generally increases the length of your life and how well your life goes. Obedience to parents generally increases the length of your life and how well your life goes. When I was a new pastor uh, at Emmanuel, All of a sudden, I was pastoring all kinds of uh, widows, a number of widows, and many of them had been widows longer than I'd been alive. Widows for 20, 30, I think one case, 40 years. And one of those widows was Loris Kessinger, and Loris Kessinger, she, she was tough. I mean, she had COPD. She, she dragged an oxygen tank behind her, and I'd always find her. We were neighbors in front of her, I was dragging the groceries in with her oxygen tank and then sitting down on the stairs because she was going to pass out. But she would not stop. And then finally, when she was very old, she died. And I had the privilege of conducting her funeral. And at her funeral, there was pictures of her and letters she'd written and letters she'd read gotten from her mom. And I found one of those letters and I started reading it. And her mom had written to her, "Loris, you have honored me. And I was looking over going, and she has lived a very long life. My friend Tommy Hallett loved his mama so much and honored his mama so much that I thought if anyone's gonna live to 120 years old, it'll be Tommy Hullet because he just honored his mother. As a kid, you want your life to go well. But there's all kinds of immediate promises of how to make life go well. But the most long-lasting investment you can make in your own life is obedience to your parents. In all their imperfections. Notice here it says that your life will go well. And that's not some sort of like God's going to sprinkle magical going well dust on your life. It's just your parents have things to say that will keep you from being dead. Proverbs chapter one, the father tells the son how to stay out of a gang. Says you get killed if you get in a gang. Here's how to stay out of one. Proverbs chapter 5, the father tells his son how to stay out of an adulterous relationship that might get you killed. Proverbs chapter uh, 22 says, uh, listen, quit eating so much sweets or you'll vomit. Your kids, your, your parents can keep you from vomiting. And I'm parented, long, this is real, okay? This is not, I'm not making, up. Uh, oh, I found it in the Bible, I'm sure it applies to someone. No, there is vomit that can be stopped. Proverbs 31 can teach you how to gain a good wife. Will there be hard things in life? Yeah, there'll be hard things in life, even if you obey your parents. But you can also know the blessing Jesus knew when it says that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus got killed, yes, but by obeying his parents, he actually increased in a general favor with people by obeying. His parents. So I, I better wrap up. And I'll just say this. The ultimate fulfillment of this promise is actually not long life in America. It's long life in heaven. The long life in the land that you want to live in is, is heaven. You may get long life in America. If you obey your parents, especially their command to trust Jesus it'll lead you all the way home to heaven. You don't earn your way to heaven by obeying your parents, but when you trust Jesus, it results in a heart that's oriented to obeying and honoring parents that leads you on that good road all the way home. He wants to speak to you, children. He wants to speak to you from his word to your conscience, to your sense of what's right and wrong. He wants to speak to you with the Lord who will empower you to obey. He wants to speak to you about your future and how to make it go well because he cares for you and he wants to lead you personally all the way home. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would pour out your spirit on us to receive your word and that each child here would receive your word, that we'd see children saved, homes transformed as you turn the hearts of the children to the wisdom of their fathers. We pray that you do this in Jesus' name, amen.